This is Sean Mitchell. We are coming to you live from the Fletcher Azul podcast studio in Houston, Texas. Uh, we are uh, Daniel Energy Partners. This is our second podcast, In Basin Observations. Uh, we're excited to have all the partners here today. I've got John Daniel, Bill Austin, and Bob Stanton. And I think what, what I want to do today is just go through, uh, you, Bobby, you and John uh, were in Midland last week. Um, I'd love to hear, I want to get to some of the activity uh, reports and the anecdotes from the road. But what I really want to do, Bobby, is first start out with you and ask you, you've never been on the road with John in this format, um, certainly at Daniel Energy Partners because you're fairly new to the firm. But talk to us a little bit about this trip with John. I know it, it can be overwhelming because uh, he does a lot to get prepared for these trips, but just maybe walk us through your first trip to Midland. Okay, well, um, having worked with John for five years or however long we overlapped at Simmons, um, I've heard a lot about him going to the Permian and going to Midland, and I really had no idea what it was all about. I didn't know if he was just driving around in his truck, checking out equipment, I didn't know. So, yes, uh, he does that. Yeah. So I met him at the Doubletree, and we were on our way late for a meeting, and we had walked 50 feet out of the hotel when some executive recognized him, and they had a quick five to 10 minute chat about activity in the basin and how this guy's business was picking up, and uh, everyone wanted to know when he was coming back. So um, we proceeded to our meeting uh, late. Uh, we had a great meeting, and then. Uh, this was uh, one of the reasons we were going was John's son, uh, Trevor, was in Midland to start his new job, and he John had a reception that he had sent an email to I, I don't know how many people, and at this point, this was the day of the reception, he, had, he, he was expecting a pretty minimal turnout, and it kind of told me, like, you know, I've gotten a few no's, I'm not sure how many people are going to turn out. Um, so anyway, my expectations were relatively low. Um, we walk into the restaurant out of the 108 degree heat from the parking lot. And John, um, first of all, everybody in the restaurant knew John. Um, I walked in and said, Hey, we're here for the, and John walked in the door and they're like, Oh, Mr. Daniel, Mr. Daniel. <laughs> you've, been John, a pretty, that's great. you've been a pretty good source of yeah. like consistent work for them over the last yeah. year. Right. Yeah. We've had some big receptions there. So I'm expecting 20 to 30 people. Uh, we got there at quarter of six. I think it was quarter of six. And the reception was supposed to start at six. About six o'clock, two people walked in, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not going to be good. 20 minutes later, the place was packed, and I tried to do a head count, and I think I got somewhere between 50 and 60 people. Um, everybody there, knowing the intent of it is to network and meet people and – People were all making a conscious effort to do it. Um, lots of business cards exchanged, lots of what do you do, who are you, mm -hmm. who do you work for? Um, and pretty much everybody that I spoke with about it said, this is great, you know, I really enjoyed meeting all these people. You know, um, you didn't oversell it. You know, it, it, it was exactly what they had hoped it to be. And I think, uh, and I think people made new connections with whom to do business in the future. I'll what, just leave it at that. Well, that, that's a great recap, and it reminds me of the kind of the first couple of trips I went with him. The same 
uh, I think the expectation was was pretty low, and he way over delivered in terms of the number of people and the quality of people that were at the receptions that I've been to out there with him. It's just fascinating what he's able to do. Um, we're very lucky to have him as a partner. Um, but one quick question, because I know he probably made you go to Dairy Queen. Oh, what kind awesome. of blizzard did you get? Oh, I always get the heat bar. It was delicious. What did John get? Uh, cookies and cream, Oreos. Oreo blizzard and a large soda. Yeah. Got to have the ice cream and the soda. Ice cream and soda. We're going to get back to the Rolling Sevens, right? So I don't need to talk about that now. No, we'll get we 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 will come around to the Rolling okay. Sevens, but uh, I, I'm sure you guys went out there as well. Um, but to jump in a little bit more on just kind of the activity front, um, John, Bob, talk to us a little bit about rig activity. What you know, I know what we talk about at Daniel Energy Partner is this: we see a kind of steady grind higher in the rig count right. by the end of this year. Um, where is kind of the rig activity today and how is that kind of jiving with our Daniel Energy Partners model right. as we go into the end of this year and into the first part of 22? Should have brought all the numbers on paper because I tend to forget things. It's but okay. we're sort of in that two, if I think, you know, if, if you use Baker as your proxy, it's right around 230, 240-ish for the Permian rig count. Um, you know, we, and then from the overall rig count, it's uh, going back, it's like 440-ish, I have to just double check, but I think I'm in the ballpark here. Uh, you know, when we had, it's funny how it works, we, we had put out a, our updated forecast back in early March, and we had, uh, at that point, you know, we were and up believing that we would see a, a rig count go uh, into the 600 range by, you know, sort of Q, call it Q122. And we held you know, firm on that and then uh, had a few of my EMP friends say, oh, man, you're, you're crazy. I end up making a dollar bet with one guy. So our, our bet right now is a dollar. So it's big, big money. But uh, that the Baker count will be 625 on March 31st, 22. And then I told another EMP company about that bet, you know, a few weeks later. And he's like, oh, I'm taking the under on that. So I started getting really worried. So I was like, oh, shoot, I'm going to be out two dollars. <laughs> and uh but then, you know, we go out, and so then, of course, you, you wimp out and you kind of lower your rig count forecast, which I, I did. And then I go to Midland this past week, and you're starting to talk to everybody, and I'm like, crap, I probably shouldn't have lowered the rig count forecast. Probably should be, probably should have maintained it. Because the anecdotes were pretty positive in terms of rig activity. And, uh, you know, we, and it, it's from everyone from the smallest people to the big people, public and private. And, you know, we're not going to name any names here. But as you start, you know, triangulating on the numbers, uh, you know, you have little, and let's say you're a little company and you're running one rig, you go to two, you say, well, that's only one rig. That's a hundred percent increase, right? It's a law right. of small numbers. Uh, we went, I took Bobby with me to a meeting. It was a small EMP and he basically said, yeah, we drilled a few wells in 2021, but we're probably gonna go to a full rig, full rig yeah. in 2022. Okay. You know, I don't know what that percentage is, but it's, it's high on right. a percentage basis. And then you, you, you talk to some of the larger companies and they acknowledge that they're going, they're looking at adding rigs. And, and so when you add it all up, you know, between the, the, the small survey that we did, and I have to do a degree of extrapolation here, which is always dangerous, but you know, we, we were with, I think it was seven or eight EMP companies and uh, it's like plus 18 to plus 20 rigs. And again, you do the monkey math and it's call it 30% plus growth in the Permian rig count. And I think from current levels, from current levels, oh, wow. right? And I'm not, and so, and I think it's, and then what happened is we were, we were, 
my son and I were breakfast, and uh, you know, we we try to use our yeah. our ears <laughs> to hear what people are saying sometimes. And uh, <laughs> land drilling contact and EMP contact sit down right at the table next to us, and you know. I didn't eavesdrop completely, but you, you know, you, yeah. you want to know what's going on. Anyway, I ran into this guy after the fact and we we're just talking, talking shop. And, uh, he said look, he was out there doing his sales calls and he's like, look, he goes, we're, we're fielding lots of inquiries right now. And, uh, and there is an expectation that, uh, you can just pick up all these rigs in January, you know, cause you're going to get fresh budget dollars. Like the, the, most of these EMPs are very, you know, the capital discipline theme is real is real yep and they're sticking with their budget but their budget is for this year right and a lot of the budgets were based on call it a 40 45 price deck you know the strip would say it's higher than that you know so are they, gonna use, are they gonna use 55 are they gonna use 60 i don't know what they're gonna use uh but the point is even if they have a low uh reinvestment rate which is what they've been doing you're still gonna have more cash flow for activity yep. so activity is going up and so uh, and, and, and so they're, they were, you know, he is advising these people, like you probably need to think about bringing rigs on earlier because we just, we cut, cause we just can't go put everything back to work. There's been a lot of cannibalization out there. Uh, and so you need, there's costs to put rigs back to work. You got to find the people and you can't dismiss the people equation. Yeah. And we'll get into we're, that in a second. We're going to get into labor in just a second, right. but it's, so to me, just to kind of yeah, I don't so put in words summary, in your mouth, yeah. but activities is higher on the rig count. On the rig count, and you yeah. feel better about our rig count forecast today. Yeah, I wish I, I wish it. I, I wish I hadn't changed it. Um, right. You know, whatever. We'll, we'll we'll revisit the forecast after right. the quarter right. once people get through earnings. I don't feel like I need to do it every day. I'm not a model monkey, nope. and uh, but I feel like it's stronger. And you know, as we talked about, and I think we talked on the last podcast, and or I've talked to someone about it. We tend to overshoot on the upside. We tend to overshoot on the downside, right? Yeah. That's what happens. And uh, and so I feel very good about where the trajectory of the rate count goes. Again, assuming, of course, commodity prices stay where they are, y- yada, 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 all that stuff. On the completion side, um, it was steady as she goes, right? No one's really, there'll be a little bit of incremental activity, but all of the pressure pumping companies pretty much agree. It's kind of steady. Yeah. Uh, there might be, there is a there is a view that you'll see the seasonal uplift instead of a seasonal retreat normally q4 yeah normally you see a little you know slowdowns you know the the natural holiday slowdowns or you spent your budget Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. you're slowing down in december and the feeling now is well it might be the opposite because you want to keep those crews and you might want to or you might want to bring some crews out to be ahead of it for 2022 that's the that's the feeling Uh, Mm -hmm. you know it's not like they have it locked in stone and it's contractually written up and all that but so steady as she goes on completion activity, grinding higher on the rig count, uh, well servicing activity again. You know we talked about that on the last, uh, or certainly we wrote about it after our Bakken trip and other trips. But well service activity remains robust. Um, so anyway, I walked away feeling much better about where we are, with the the, the issues continuing to be labor, right. and uh, there continues to be a wide uh, disconnect on service pricing you know that and again i love yep. my emp clients we love them all daniel's your partners we thank them we'd like to raise rates to them too but pricing has to go higher yep. in this business mm-hmm. and you, you've got too many companies that are still ebitda negative or darn close to it and 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 you know it's while they can't say this publicly there's probably reinvest a limited reinvestment in the equipment 
because you're trying to save money. Right. There's implications of not making money, right? Are you able to get the best people? Are you able to get people? Well, and can you just maintain the equipment, right? Exactly. And, and so, and again, you know, we, we like to gently trespass. And so we'll go by people's <laughs> yards and take photos uh, as best we can. I mean, we're not trying to make anyone look bad, but what you see does not, it's not always indicative of what you see in someone's annual report, right? It's a different photo. Right. And, and so there is a definitely, you know, there has been a lack of spending and it, it, you can look at the CapEx numbers for the oil service sector and it shows right. up. And so my messaging to folks is look, you know, the hard part is they all know, everyone knows you need to raise your prices. Like no one disputes that, but there's this great fear of, I don't want to raise my rates because then the next guy is just going to go in and take my, yep. take my work. Right. So they're very, there is a fear of losing market share because of your pricing. But when you talk to enough people and you ask the question, well, what would you do if company A raises prices? Oh, we'd, we'd raise our rates. So they all know it needs to go higher. They all want it to go higher. They all say they'll follow, but yet no one's willing to take that first big bold step. Right. There are some areas you've seen pricing. You've seen, you've started to see move. You've definitely seen it on steel prices and some of the commodities. You've seen some workover rates going back up from the trough. We've seen, and again, it all depends where you were priced previously. But if you were pricing in the spot market in the summer of 2020, your prices are higher, right. but you're not necessarily back to pre-COVID levels in many mm -hmm. cases. And I thought, and that's one of the things we wrote about in the note on Sunday, you guys saw it was, yeah. look at the CPI data. Inflation is real. Yeah, yeah, right, for sure. And so, you know, everything you've got in, as your cost input is going up, but yet your, your realized pricing might actually be lower on a year over year basis still. Right. Well, so, and, al and also like, look, remember, we're, we're now, we, we probably should have set a date, like when we're here, we're talking, you know, mid-June of 2021. Right. And, you know, when, we, when you first put out the, the rig forecast, you know, we were talking like, hey, the, a super optimistic view is, you know, 500 over, it was the over under. We talk about that. We probably should continue to revisit that throughout yeah. the year. Um, but again, so we're now trending towards that over 500 on the, on the Baker Hughes rig count. They're getting there. They're getting there. So there's that there's, so the activity's increasing, no pricing happening. And we're kind of midway through the year. Right. You feel like something's got to give. And what I, what I would say is one of the things that struck me in the first quarter as we listened to the calls and digested the earnings reports, uh, especially from our from the EMP side, was capital spending was actually light relative light. to expectations. Right. Right. And so and to your point, John, about spending in the back half of the year. Nobody changed their budgets. They it, just it, underspent it, in first No, they, they didn't change the right. budgets. In fact, I think given where the commodity's gone from the beginning of the year to where we are today, you would right. expect an increase in budgets. Those, are the, right. those days, I think, are the glory days of just grow, 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 and throw money into a bonfire are gone. Yep. So I think – but it, I think it's important to point out that, like, these guys have underspent in Q1. Maybe Q2 comes back to a normal, more normalized rate, but I think – in terms of activity coming in the back half of the year, I do want to come back to that because right. I think you made a really good point, which is that I think the expectation on the EMP part is there's plenty of equipment out there. I can just tell people in January, you know, in December, late November, in December, that I want to really ramp things in January with yep. my new budget, but it doesn't always work that way in the oil mm -hmm. field. So let's go back and just hit some of the labor anecdotes maybe that you got from Midland from this trip and yeah. walk us through some of those because I think that's an important thing Absolutely. to think about today Yeah, so uh, uh, as, uh, uh, as we go into this uh, a few, summer. Yeah, a few of the things. Um, a lot of people talk about we, you know, we, we go through the downturn. We have all the people that got laid off. You know, the market's turning back. 
we call all of those people to see who wants to come back. And I had several people say, we've already exhausted that list. Mm -hmm. People just don't want to come back. And it's, some people don't want to come back because they're just tired of burnout from the oil field. Some people have moved on to find other things. And then you still have, and it depends on what level you are too. Some people just on the sidelines with unemployment who just don't want to come back and work. I was with, uh, you know, uh, one um, logistics related company and that has to have lots of drivers. And you've, we've all read about driver shortages. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was asking, so, you know, let's, you know, I, I was in their shop and they had a training class going on, which is pretty full. Uh, I said, you know, what's the going rate? Like, what's someone going to make here? He's like, look, he goes, if they've got a good schedule uh, starting out, they're probably making about $125,000 a year. And if they've got a really good schedule and they hit all their safety metrics, they might be topping out at 175. Well, that's a pretty good living, right? And then the hard part is if, so, and it's like, you just can't go get a CDL in one day and you're, you're right. off and it, take, there's, it takes some time. But you compare that trajectory or, or say you're a drilling hand where you make a little bit more money and you've got more hours to other sectors, like you do the hourly wages, there's a big right. delta in some of the, in the, in the, in the effective difference. Um, then I was with a frat company and they were, uh, they had, they hadn't, they had brought, they were gonna bring in 15 or 16 people for a training session. So they had the, they had, you know, the guys say, we're gonna come to this thing. So they were expecting 15 to 16 to show up and only four did. And they're wow. just telling me, like, you know, just complaining about, they weren't complaining, like, it's tight. Like, yeah. we don't have the ability to ramp mm-hmm. right now. That's yeah. right. And so, I heard that multiple times. And so what's interesting yeah. is after we put out the Sunday note, I had one drilling contractor reach out to me, and he kind of pushed back a little bit. He goes, yeah. you know, this might be a little bit optimistic. Um, because we talked about some of the, 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 the expectations for activity, and he, he really talked about, you know, is it, uh, the, the labor situation. And my view is that um, you know, wages will go up and it's a supply demand thing and price thing. Once wages go up, people will eventually, you, know, you pay people enough, eventually people start to come back. Right. Okay, so I'm a big believer in that. We'll see if it plays out. Well, I mean, that's Currently, a big debate. That's a big debate on the macro. Like that's yeah. outside of our industry right. too, right? I mean, we could go deep on that. But what okay. I felt good yeah. about is we had some, you know, the best part about writing research is, I love it when people write me nice notes yeah. as feedback. <laughs> uh, and so we will take a few of those, but we had, you know, I had one EMP company come back and say, you know, that hadn't met within out in the middle and we, they're like, we agree forwarded the note to the team. We agree with what you wrote. Talk with a, you know, industry friend who was with a completions friend against anecdotal, but it's like, he's like, yeah, we talked about your note, went out to dinner. It's like, you're spot on. And then, you know, we, because that trip was focused just on the Permian, I was like, well, I don't want to get too excited because these are all positive. There's more to life than the Permian. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, uh, you know, we reached out, I reached out to uh, someone in a natural gas region and asked him, I said, how many rigs are you running? How many adding, you know, and again, unique situation, private company, but you know, you do the math and I won't give the numbers cause it starts to give away the company, okay. but it's about a 33% plus increase in rig count for right. them from now through when they, you know, hit what they're trying to ramp to in 2022. So long and short is we felt, I felt very good about the trip. Uh, labor's a challenge. Equipment will be a challenge, um, but cost and inflationary pressures are real. So. Yeah. No, and look, I, I I was out earlier today at a an event that one of the um, one of the companies was hosting and talked to several people. Uh, by the way, several of them were like, "We get John's note, we get your guys' note, we love it, think you're spot on." So like, it's not just the people in Midland that 
that you talk to that would say what you guys are doing it really kind of adds up if yep, you will right. had one guy say that today uh, i thought that was interesting uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast but um as we kind of close the loop here yeah. on um midland and not really close the loop but like you had some interesting anecdotes in your note about supply chain issues that right. some folks are having maybe talk to us a little bit about supply chain materials as bill mentioned earlier yeah. the, in uh, was nodding his head and when we started talking about inflationary pressures around the country it's not just in the u.s it's global yep. but right. what are we seeing on the supply chain side and talk about some of the anecdotes from your trip on the supply chain side that that are that you thought were most interesting yeah like obviously we're here we are hearing about challenges on supply chain right broadly speaking but sometimes it's seen as believing and so i was in uh i was in a rig builders facility and we were looking at a, a a mast that had been recertified ready to go except it was waiting on like i'll probably screw up the name of the part but just simplistically like a rubber o-ring right okay. and the guy's like look no one makes this anymore and he said this thing's been sitting around for three weeks ready to go and they can't get the part we then were looking at another piece of equipment and the guy uh was missing uh, it, it was like an eight inch bolt right about like that big for the camera if they're seeing it um you know so and i'm like dude why don't you just make that like you've just made a rig here right, right. why can't you make a bolt yeah. he's like well he's like we probably could but then like our per unit cost would because we're not making enough would probably be about 300 bucks and this is something i could probably buy for 10 bucks right and so we're waiting on this part and so it was holding up you know the delivery of a rig uh and then i talked to you know a fluid and guy uh, and he's just talking about, hey, anything that's coming in from China, we're having issues, you know, with the, with container shortages, et cetera. So there's delays. And oh, by the way, like on fluid ends, you know, in the downturn, people were just trying to sell anything to survive. Yeah. So moving inventory to get cash. We heard of some really crazy, you know, prices yeah. on fluid ends. Now there's not a lot of inventory on the ground ready to go. Steel prices are rising. And so fluid and costs are shooting up according to these guys. I don't have all the prices. I haven't done a fluid and update per se yet. We'll do that. But uh, point being is that there's there's lead time issues on getting some of the, at least getting his product. Maybe others have no issues, but, and this this is a one-off you know, discussion. But it, you know, the point is if you're a, you know, if you were enjoying certain lower costs, like in the case of a frack company on fluid ends, you're probably not enjoying that today, right? Fair enough. And, it, there, and also, you know, during the downturn, you had people that, you rob you rob parts from units you would pull right. a fluid and right. you pull an engine off it's the whole concept of cannibalization it's a bolt and exactly and so it's you know you, you do what you have to do to survive but there's an implication of that yeah. and it's the time to ramp takes longer and i think you, if you go back to q and earnings season there were several companies that alluded to reactivation costs going up yep. etc and so we, we st you know you, you could just just in looking at several facilities you could you could see some of those supply chain challenges. Well, and it, it feels like the industry is at a point today where going and taking stuff off the equipment that you parked against the fence, it, it seems like that has happened, that we don't have that option anymore. Yep. You actually are gonna have to start ordering new fluid ends and new pieces to go back on this equipment to keep it working right. or to put it back out to work. Um, I guess I just wanna kinda close the loop on the, the bigger picture here with activity higher. Right with rig activity higher, frack activity stable to probably moving higher, labor issues, you gave several anecdotes on labor, yeah. supply chain issues, commodity price that's significantly higher than where we thought it would be. Mm -hmm. 
really, I, I got to believe you're going to see some service cost inflation here. Yeah, also in that to. OFS companies are EBITDA negative. No, that's yeah. my point. Yeah. And so, so, so we're, we're sitting here having this conversation and just the dumb guy in me says, there's no doubt pricing is going higher. And, uh, and I think we're not seeing it necessarily yet. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned steel and some other pass-throughs that are happening. But I think real pricing has to come sooner than people think, yeah. given the, the framework that we're dealing with. Well, that's so it, it needs to come sooner. The, again, the question is when, you know, when is someone going to take the, 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 the first major step to push it? Here's the other thing, too, that when, when we talk to the companies about pricing strategy, you know, do you do you try to you know, take small bites at the increases? Like we need some relief. Here's a three percent increase, or do you go big and yeah. say forty percent increase and hope well, you get twenty? Again, I don't mean to you know, I don't want to live my life behind an Excel spreadsheet. Right. But it's a it's a mathematical exercise. Are you going to try to get you know? <coughs> right. Are you going to lose ten percent of work, twenty percent for a twenty percent price increase? You know, it, what's the number where you're better off? And uh, and so that's that was a lot of the discussion I have with the service guys because I think their initial instinct is let's just do some smaller increases, try to see if we can get in and pass through, get some you know the term is get some relief, and you say well you know first of all what we've seen in this last several years is these cycles tend to be shorter, right? Mm -hmm. So how much time do you really have? Yeah. I mean you got it, you need to. Well, I say I say dare to be great. Yeah. And uh, and I don't run the middle service business. So yeah, well, they're not going in to yeah. ask for price. No, and I also think <laughs> if Daniel Energy Partners pricing is going yeah. up by yeah. the way. Yeah. Two thousand twenty-two. Yes, <laughs> yeah. but then the thing that is interesting is you hear all of the challenges that are going on, and no one will. Again, the mood is good in the sense that activity is going higher, Absolutely. broadly speaking. So that is good. Um, there are issues, whether it be labor, supply chain, etc., and we know profitability is a challenge. But then what gets you? What is surprising is when you talk to people and you see that there's still startups coming. Mm -hmm. well, and, that, that was that was and, my next. And yeah. there's still. And it's and it's not like good segue. Yeah, it's it's it, you see people are still adding capacity, mm -hmm. um, and it's not just it's. We, I saw someone who is looking at building more frack equipment, not in the business. I met a guy at a rig builder who's picking up delivery of a new workover rig, expanding, um, and and you just see this. And on the one hand, I love the entrepreneurial spirit, but this is a lot of this stuff is used equipment that's right. getting recirculated back into the market, right? Yeah. And as, I mean, the four of us sitting around, we like to think of ourselves as rational. Can we get upset about that? In in the sense, it's like, oh no, are we, are, are the guys out there kind of gonna mess it up? Well, and that's, but see, that's the thing is like for some of them, um, if you're small enough, your overhead's low enough and you're buying something at 10, 20, 30 cents on the dollar, then, you know, and you're making a bet that this is more than you know a two-quarter cycle. And because I know many of these people personally, yep. so some of them, uh, you know, they'll probably be successful, yeah. <laughs> right? right? Yeah, they'll probably be e successful. even if they take pricing at the lowest end. They'll if they buy the assets for twenty cents on the dollar, they can actually make a decent return. And so I guess you're kind of playing for the up cycle you're, and, you're and pricing going higher than selling your company, right? Yep. And so. You know, it's just, but it's, it's, you know, on the one hand, it, it, the hard part when we write about this is like, we, we want everybody to be happy. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. Agreed. Okay. I want my EMP companies to crush it. I want the oil service companies to make lots of money and I want the capital equipment guys to sell lots of stuff. Yeah. Ooh. But it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's not, that's <laughs> not reality. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, 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 that's, but that would be great. And, uh, and so right now the hard part is 
you're, you're trying to see, you want to see the business get better. And, uh, and you, you see some of these actions, which could, in, you know, can still impact the market because you're, you're right. creating more competition. Right. And, and we're it's coming hard off a low base too. coming off a right. low number. So, you know, that, that was one of the interesting things is seeing some of the, the entrepreneurial spirit of some of the a folks. A lot of that. There was a lot of entrepreneurial. Yeah. It just seemed like it's just messy. Like there's a, it's, it, things are getting better, but still messy. Yeah. And well, the mess is where I think things get straightened out and money is made. Well, I think it. I hope so. This is yeah, another. We're going there. Though. It's another yep. segue. I don't always do this the right way, but it seems like it's going that way today. But it's another segue into something else I want to talk about. Right, the oil field service industry is still kind of a mess, if you will. M mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. A has been alive and well on uh, EMP on, on the EMP side, side, right? Yep. These guys have consolidated. You've seen Bonanza. I mean, there's Bonanza yeah. Creek. There's all kinds there's of plenty of deals of deals, deals that have been there's done deals. in the last six weeks, and really right. since the beginning of the year. Honestly, yeah. it's just been a kind of a steady flow of M and A service. We haven't seen that much, and I even talked to some guys today from the industry um, at this event I went to. It, they're like, we are shocked that we haven't yeah. seen more M&A in the oil field service sector. And I, I got to say, I'm shocked as well. Right. Yeah. Um, this industry needs consolidation more than ever. I can't mm-hmm. remember a time when I thought there was this many companies. Now, look, there are some folks out there that say many of these companies would have gone bankrupt had we not had the COVID right. relief from the government. Right. Yep. You Absolutely. name it. So I, I, I think there's a reason behind, there's a method to the madness, right? right. It, some of these companies probably should have gone bankrupt. They didn't go bankrupt. They're still around. We need to see consolidation, but a lot of these companies still have a ton of debt, right? Yeah. And so anyway, with that, yeah, maybe talk to us a little bit about kind of your view on, on OFS consolidation. I mean, I know you think there's a need for it, but just right. kind of maybe give us some of your wisdom, if yeah, you will, about that, on uh, consolidation in the sector. Yeah, it, everybody has a different reason why it hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah. That's Balance right. sheets is one. Others, people don't want to part ways with cash. Cash right. is still king. Yep. Then, you know, surprisingly, you still hear, uh, and I was with someone today that talked about social issues yep. still p- feature prominently. Simplistically, if you're oil service company A, you buy company B. If I'm the management team at company B, where am I going to go? Right. Right. What are the other opportunities in oil service? Or if, let's say I'm a, you know, I've got a board seat. And I'm clipping a decent coupon. Do I want to give up that board seat? Wh- which, you know, kind of ticks me off because I think the, your fiduciary responsibility should be to your shareholders and your investors, not your your own right. self. Well, but yeah. that's it's human nature, whatever. Right. But there's different reasons. There's also obviously valuation that comes in. I mean, would mm-hmm. you want to be selling? You know, if you go to the auction and you know, people are paying 10, 20 cents on the dollar. Do you want to be, you know, what's, do you want to sell yourself at a big discount or no? But if, if you don't do anything, like we know where that is, that's right. no good because we got too much capacity today. And by the way, you, you got more coming in in the form of these people buying used equipment. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, if you're the B guy, you're on your own. What are you going to do? Right. Go, yeah. buy, go buy equipment for 10, 20 cents on the dollar. Well, that's the thing is, and we're, and we're seeing that. And, you know, we, we, we wrote about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, we went up to the auction in Bossier City to look at stuff being sold. And, uh, you know, all of those pump-down units got bought. Now, I don't necessarily, I don't know yet who all the buyers were, but they transacted. And then the wireline units, there was like eight that were sold. Uh, again, I don't know the buyers. It's not, I, I would love, I wish they would just wear their shirt and say, I'm with XYZ Energy <laughs> Services, but they don't always do that. Um, but, you know, those units sold for, you know, 
thirty to forty thousand dollars a unit. I don't know if they're completely tooled out. They weren't on location, but the point is like that's a deep discount to replacement value. Mm -hmm. And there'll be some customers that will use it because they don't care about the new generation technology, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that's that's what's hard is it's you know you, we need to see consolidation, and I think it's really unappealing to say I've got to go do a defensive deal if I'm a company like right, but you need to see it. Yeah. yeah, and I yeah. just I don't know when it. I mean, everybody's doing the kabuki dance. We're all talking, uh, and I, I hear that all the time. Yep. You know, they don't want to say, "Oh, I'm talking to so and so and so." They don't right. do that, but yeah, we're actively looking. We're kicking the tires. Yeah. Well, and look, there's there's a, a bit of the the first domino to fall type of thing as well. There's the the everyone's doing the dance, talking, right. and first one to fall. A lot like I think, I think potentially a lot like the operators where. Hey, you, you saw these mergers of equals, these these non-cash deals, and people say, "Oh, that actually worked. You guys can come to an agreement. Maybe we should have on our deal that we that we're not talking about yet. Maybe we should do it too." Yeah. It's really I, hard. I really thought after the the Liberty Schlumberger deal, you'd see more M&A because yeah. that was very well received. Yeah, by everybody. I agree. And uh, and so it was kind of it's been kind of a letdown mm -hmm. that we haven't seen it. You know, and as you guys know, I wrote this in the note. I'm like. I want to see the consolidation for the sake of the industry, but I also I don't want to see it because we lose clients. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you know, I don't yeah. know. I kind of uh, that's a tough part of it about it, but well, that, that's the right thing for the industry. Yeah, yeah. No. And you said something earlier. I mean, some of these guys are talking about going to auction and buying assets. I actually talked to a guy yesterday in the industry, right? And he he basically said we send a team to auction sometimes, literally to go buy assets at if we can buy them at ten cents all an hour, and we will actually chop them up. Yeah, I thought that was a great, it's a great anecdote to yeah. like some of these guys are actually trying to do rational things like and they're and they're hoping that they win the auction at a low enough price. Right. To keep that equipment yeah, from getting sideways. back into the market. Yeah. It's just the first time I've heard of that. And it was really interesting. I, I hadn't thought about it in a while. And I was like, you know, that that is a really right. rational well, thing to do. It makes sense. But imagine, you know, let's say you're a public company A. And you say we're going to allocate fifty million dollars to go buy used equipment and yeah. chop it up. Yeah. I bet your stock you're, probably goes lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's probably right. <laughs> your, your shareholders, while they might like the sentiment. so that's the hard, you know, yeah. that's the tricky part. Yeah, yeah. you need yeah. cash flow. Yeah, you got to figure out how to bury that. Well, yeah, <laughs> that well, number, that's but, that's, thing to do. but that's what needs to happen for the sake of the industry. But for the then, sake of the industry, but it goes back sure. like you kind of root for. But when that happens, the the capital equipment guys are psyched because they get to rebuild it. They get to rebuild. So I mean, everybody, you know, everyone has a. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, enough on the M and A front. Yeah. But I think I think we need to see consolidation. Yeah. Uh, I think it will happen eventually. And I'm with you. Like I just don't know when these guys are going to stop doing the little dance. Um, right. So let's go back a week or two. Um, I know you you wrote a pretty detailed, in depth, kind of well service report. Right. Maybe go back since our last podcast, we didn't really hit on this. Let's talk a little bit about that well service report because there's some pretty interesting anecdotes in there. You you, you mentioned earlier well services, although it's off the bottom, uh -huh. uh, it, it's actually got some signs of life to it in, in, right. in some way, shape, or form. So maybe walk us through that because there's a ton, I just remember from the report, there are a ton of well service rigs yeah. in the, or out yeah. there in the market, but let's talk about marketability of the rigs and how many rigs are actually marketable and, and maybe kind of give us your update there. Yeah, so it's a, it's a sector near and dear to my heart because I worked in it yep. many, many, many moons ago. I've got a lot of friends in the well service community and you know, there, there was a time where well servicing was relatively cool, if you will. You had an, a, a, 
I don't know if it was cool, but I mean, yeah. there, there, was a, there, was, there was a lot of, there were public companies, right? right. You had yeah. more market cap. You know, go back to, you know, 10 years ago, Key was thriving, Basic, Basic. was thriving, yeah. Complete Production Services, yep. you know, Forbes Energy Services, other IPO. Sure. Now you look at, you know, Pioneer was, you know, publicly traded. Now, now that market has changed radically, yes. right? And, uh, and, and it's, it's a business that is traditionally very much relationship oriented. And I don't think even though it's safety is important, it's very important. There's not the distinguishment on a rig right. like there had been in the drilling space for so many years. Yeah. A rig was a rig is a rig. That's changed a little bit in the last year as we have longer laterals and you need bigger, you know, bigger lifting capacity and so forth. And you do have a need for more of a specialized rig. But, but that's relatively new and say last couple of years. But I, I still can't get an exact number of work over rigs. And, and I feel like I talk to a lot of people, but every time you turn around, you find new people, right? Yep. And I think that's, so, you know, we, the, the, the old, it's used to be called the AESC. They just merged with PISA and they're the Energy Workforce and Technology Council. They, they track on a monthly basis the, the number of rigs and I've talked to them about it and they're great people, but like not everybody reports to them. And so their tally of total rigs, if I remember correctly last month was right around 2,500 ish. If I go out and I count what I think is, exists, I'm more like at a 3,300 number, but I know that I haven't talked to everybody. And I know that there's companies I have in my list that I don't have a number next to them, but I know they exist, right? Right. So I know I'm understating it. And so I don't know. 3,500, just make up a number. But then I talk to friends in the business, like on the rig building side, and they'll say, no, that's more like a, a 4,000 number. So yeah. in terms of total rigs, doesn't mean they're working. There's a lot that aren't. Right. And I'll get that to that in a second. So we're trying to, you know, refine our accounts all the time. And the business has gotten better in the sense that, you know, everything shut down last year, like everything. But people are coming back to work, and it's, a, it's, a, it's really three things. It's the rise in completion activity, so you got more drill outs. Right. So there's a lot more 24-hour rigs. We, we, we're at like 102 24-hour rigs. Not all are doing drill outs. Some are doing production work, but that's a lot. Um, and then uh, you see the rise in production work, bringing wells back online. Commodity right. prices are great. Mm -hmm. And then there's also growing P&A activity. People mm -hmm. are trying to, and, and, it's, and I haven't dug too deep into just the P&A side, but as you, if you can P&A old wells it's a, it, to help reduce your emissions, if you're the right. P company, there, you know, there's emphasis on P&A. Yep. Yeah, like to get California. It, particularly know. in places like that. Yep. So the business is doing better. And as I <laughs> talked to most of the well service companies, they have been raising their rates off of the pre-COVID lows. And they're, they're getting close to the pre-COVID pricing. But they're really not making any money. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and so margins are sort of, you know, at the, at the gross margin division level, still in that, you know, mid-teens, mid some cases upper teens. Key just put out its its Q1 numbers last night. I haven't had a chance to read the release, so shame on me. But it's but we'll get to that. Um, but as we went out and 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 did our tally uh, of the numbers that we total can come up with in terms of total rig count, call it let's just round to call it 3,400. I'm going to round up right. a little bit. Yeah, I like it. Then we count maybe like 20. Oh gosh, what is it like around? Uh, oh, of that 4,000, 3,400. We talk to people that own about like 2,200, yeah. 2,300 of those. I think that's Again, right, I'm, right. this is government yep. work here, yep. yep. but it's good enough for a discussion. And then of that 2,300, 2,200, about 900 are working. So call it on average, if you're if you're a work over company, 
30 to 40 percent of your your capacity is running capacity does that make sense yeah, yeah. No. all right so um but the mood is generally getting better uh we we did see you know the first m a announcement within well servicing that was uh the the guys at axis picking up the forbes assets again like every sector within oil service there needs to be needs to be a lot more consolidation right, yeah. yeah those are two smaller guys but which are fine but you're fine and 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 but they're now you know in terms of total rigs, they've moved up the totem pole when yep. you, on a combined basis. So, anyway, it's but it's uh, the, the the mood is getting better with those folks, and it's actually one of the areas I'm most excited about because I think that's where you'll see the most consolidation is within well servicing. That's my of all the sectors Got that it. I cut that we we focus on, and so uh, yeah. And but the thing is interesting is when I'm out in Midland this past week, I come across two new well service companies that I had never heard of. Mm. One of them was picking up a new rig, so. Yeah. You know, wow. you know, that's the that's the yeah. challenge is it's hard to and, and to find all these people. And I, and I love the well service people. They're great. But not all of them have up to date what, websites. Right. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, right. it's hard to You're find some of these people. Some, some of them well. don't even have a website at all. And yeah. look, I mean, I, I can remember going to a well service rig builder with you in Midland at one point in time. And I remember talking to the guy about just the the cycles and you know how, how many guys come and order new equipment from you and he goes well the one thing you got to remember about the well service business is and you say you've said this before but it's very much a relationship and a bubble business yep and it is a it's a term of endearment yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the cost to build i mean let, let's let's back up a bit too because the cost to build a well service rig relative to building a new frack fleet or relative to building a new tier one rig land drilling rig right so the capital investment required is not nearly what it is to get into business no i mean if you, the, right. the sticker price on a new work of a rig 800,000 to 900,000 right. bucks yeah. and maybe and it depends on the rig builder because there's right. there are, there are those that have different everyone has different pricing but what you, if you go if you look at the used rig market and there's yeah there've been a lot of auctions in the last couple of years with work of rigs being sold one of my biggest complaints has been the fact that some well service companies sell older rigs to get cash, right? And I understand why they're doing it because they need cash. But they're and they, and they would argue that hey, look, we don't really view this as a as a com competitor because it's an old crappy rig. And I say, well, they might steal your crew. Yeah. So it, in some respects, it could be a competitor. Uh, and I think that, you know, there's different websites you can go to. Tradequip is one. I mean, I, I looked at that recently. I, there's easily over 100 workover rigs for sale on it. Right. And in some cases, you know, it's the photo of the rig, so you can see the logo of who's selling it, and you just <laughs> kind of scratch your head and like, why are you doing this? But they do. Um, I understand why, but they but they do. And so, yeah, the, the cost, the ability to get into business is, is pretty easy. Some builders have done this, have pursued this strategy. Again, it works for them, but it's not necessarily the healthiest thing for the rig contractor. But uh, I can trade in an old rig for a new rig, so I get a credit. So now I've lowered my price to get the new rig. Rig builder, they can go do some touch-up work on it and then sell it and also make a margin. So again, I understand why they do it. it makes sense. Right. But it just made your, you know, the ability to get into a newer rig cheaper. Right. So yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And you see a little bit of that. There's not huge numbers on new rig sales. I don't want anyone to think, oh gosh, we're building tons of rigs. We're not. Right. But, you know, it's still an active used market. Uh, there's still lots of people out there, and and uh, and I think the other thing too is because it, I, I like to say it's a balkanized model. I mean, uh, the Nash, those were it's it's a localized business, right? And so I don't have to be a 500 rig company. I could be an eight rig company in Longview, 
and do just fine. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I've got mm -hmm. great relationship with those company people in that in that area, and I'm, drive, I'm driving 50, 70 mile radius, and so, uh, and you cannot discount the, the value of those relationships. Right. So, anyway, right. I'm rambling here. No, that's good. Uh, so. That's that's all good stuff. Well, uh, moving on. Um, obviously, we kind of hit the activity. We hit a lot of stuff from your uh, from the research side, but now I want to move to something that's near and dear to our hearts. We've got. Uh, We've got a number of events coming up. Mm -hmm. um, one yep. is, is around the corner. I can't wait to get out of Houston. Uh, the heat why? here is, why? yeah, why, why would you want to leave? Uh, I'm so ready to get to Colorado and the anticipation mm -hmm. of this event, uh, not just because it's really hot and I hate hot weather uh, here in Houston, but uh, we've got a great lineup of um, panel discussions in Telluride. Maybe just talk a little bit about that and right. and the the nature of again this is another invite only event from Daniel Energy Partners. That's one thing we kind of pride ourselves on. But talk a little bit about Tyride, kind of how that came about, and what sure. do you maybe give us a little bit of framework for what we're gonna a preview of what we're gonna see in Tyride. Sure. So it's uh, one I I I I like to go to nice places, and I've never been to Tyride, but they say it's a nice place. So it's yeah. nice. Uh, I looked at real estate prices there. They're pretty expensive, so it must be nice. Uh, now, what we're doing is, we, we, as we as we approach our events, uh, we have an, the the big events, which we talked last time at the Minute Maid Park Conference. That's the one that uh, we called Thr we branded Thrive. At the end of September, we'll probably talk about this in a minute. We've got our big Permian barbecue cook-off. But I also wanted to create some more intimate events where you can really have some, some great one-on-one -on -one time, mm -hmm. right? Where you can get customers, providers, investors, et cetera. And so we, we've got a two-day, two-and-a-half-day event in Telluride at the end of this month. We'll have panels on everything from, you know, outlook on the natural gas market. We'll have uh, thoughts, you know, have some bankers come in and talk about the M state of the M&A market. We'll have, you know, private company perspectives panel where some company execs get up and talk about how what's going on with their businesses. I think all told we've got eight to ten panels yeah. in that mm -hmm. ballpark. We've got I, a buy-side panel. We've got a buy-side yep. panel. ESG panel. ESG panel. Uh, and our good friend David DeRoad is going to talk about, you know, just we'll talk about enterprise risk management yep. and uh, he'll, he'll sit on that. Uh, so we've got, you know, assuming no one flakes on us, we've got about 100 attendees coming. And uh, and so, you know, it's our first time doing this. We, you know, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll we want, this will be an annual event. We'll look at what we right. do right and what we do wrong after this and, and, as fix, we always as, yep. and go fix accordingly. But basically it's two half days of uh, panels. And then we give the afternoons, we let them have the afternoons and evenings off. We don't try to, we, we want them, whether, you know, whether we, want, company or we investor, want the company right? attendees, executives have time to interact with one, one another. Yeah. They don't need to spend all day with us. No, they no. don't. Yeah. Right. And so let, let them go do what they want to do and have fun and, and, and conduct business and to do it in a nice setting. And so that's one of our more intimate events well, know, I want to yeah, I want to uh, there's one we forgot to talk about yeah. the, the keynote speaker right uh, oh, I'm sorry but I mean the <laughs> keynote speaker is a guy named Mark Mills yeah. yep uh, he's from the Manhattan Institute he's a phenomenal speaker and he I think he's gonna really play well to the audience here but maybe Bill yeah. I mean well, I mean, I think you kind of hit it. He's he, you know, I, I'm sure most people have read some of his op-eds in the Wall Street Journal or or wherever. Um, you, you know, they've they've had a couple. He's had a couple recently, but he's going to really be the keynote speaker for for this. And I, like, we're really excited about it. Like Sean said, kind of 
plays to the audience, but also is really a rational thinker in terms of what we're seeing from traditional energy and you know a lot of the talk on, on transition. Um, so we like to listen to rational thinkers and, and hear what they have to say so that we can get something out of it. Yeah. Well, and we, he, he also kind of is like us in a well, sense that we're not naysayers on transition and renewables, but we sometimes question the timing and you know economic reality and aspirations aren't always aligned. And I think we'll hear a little bit of that from him. Alternative so. consequences. Yeah, right. and so uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Okay, the barbecue. Right. I'm getting worried. I'm just going to tell you. Barbecue September 30th. Um, it's a barbecue we started in 2017. Mm -hmm. And this is supposed to be an invite only event as well. And well, it, you, is. No. It, it, it is an invite only <laughs> event. Um, are you worried this, this barbecue is getting too big? Like, is this just going to be way beyond no. our imagination or, you know? No, we're not. Because we'll end up limiting it. Um, again, not trying to be snooty, but trying to main. I want. You know, when you walk throughout the barbecue area, that the attendees can look around and see a lot of people they know right away. I don't want you know it's going to be hot out. I don't want three thousand people standing next to each other sweating. Like, like go have fun, keep it a little bit aired out. You know, yeah. <laughs> have yeah. some space. But we we'll have sixty companies out there cooking. I think we're at fifty five, maybe fifty six that are signed up today. Yep. I just I literally as I s we're sitting here doing this podcast, I get an email on someone wanted to enter a team. Yep. Um, so there's a ton of interest by the industry to participate. Uh, we are doing, a, I, I'd like to say, a very good job of getting our judges list rounded out. We've got a significant number of the leading Permian EMP companies that are going to be, you know, ex their executive teams will be coming out to judge the food. Uh, still trying to figure out the band. We're having a little bit of debate on that. But it, the way we're going to, yeah, we're, we're going to try to keep this thing to no more than 2,000 people. And what we want is we want our cooking teams and sponsors to have a, a, a certain amount of tickets that they can invite, that they can use for their employees or they can right. use for customers or both. I don't really care. It's their ticket. Right, right. And they should invite someone that is, you know. You know it's meaningful. It to helps them. their business. Right. Right. And, and so, and if you want to reward your employees, great. If you want to entertain your clients, great. It's all good. And then we'll have some that we can sprinkle around to our friends and family. Um, but it's, you know, it, it will have, uh, we, we, we will be announcing very soon our first um, title sponsor. Uh, Can't announce that today. No, I, yeah. I'm not. I, I talked, I, I, I'm going to wait until we get the signed agreement. Uh, and, uh, but it's, it's a well-known uh, firm and we're working diligently on getting the second one, Bobby. Uh, is gonna get that done here pretty soon. <laughs> well, I just, I just can't talk about there. that. Either. I mean, so we have 107 days. Just that was a good reminder as they as they put we pulled yeah, it up it, on that. So 107 days. Yeah. No, I think you know I think it should be a, a pretty strong event. And there and and look, I uh, I went to an event in Midland. Uh, there's a, there's a really good oh, event yeah. this past week out there. Right about that. So there've been a number of other events that right. people are heading out. And so you know, hats off to what there was a, a real good trade show that uh, was just held out there last week, and a lot of equipment was there. Great, you know, I saw a lot of people I know. So that was good. Uh, we're just we're gonna have a little bit more food than they did, but it's if you uh, want to learn more about it, Daniel Energy Partners. Yeah, yeah, DanielEnergyPartners.com. Uh, there is a we have a website for right. the barbecue. If yep. you want to sponsor something at our barbecue, there's a sponsorship page. Uh, you can go to sponsor info, right, uh, and then uh, that'll take you to a page where you can actually see what the sponsorship opportunities 
are out there and available. Right. Um, and of course, they can email any one of us about sponsorship opportunities. Yeah, for too. sure. I mean, right. We're, Try we're not here. to email John. He gets too many emails. Yeah. So you email know, Bob and yeah. Sean and yeah, Bill and, and yeah. Bill, but or Mary Helen. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I'm, I'm I'm excited. I'm just I, I keep worrying that we're getting too big on this barbecue, but you, you're keeping me in check here. Uh, yeah. It sounds like we're going to be just fine. We'll be, we'll well, be the, the venue was impressive. I mean, yeah, was, and I took Bobby yeah, talk out about there. That. Yeah, the Bobby, sevens. why don't you tell, give me your thoughts? Is your first time seeing it? Well, I'd seen pictures and I had seen, um, I don't know, I guess drawings of it. But I think that it's all really well laid out yeah. for what people are going to be doing, which is. You're cooking and you want to hang out with the cooking teams you can hang out there if you want to go inside get some air conditioning and right have a drink you can go in there if you just want to taste some food you can go somewhere else and it's pretty well spread out and um despite having 2,000 people there i don't think it's going to feel particularly crammed which no. i get nervous about i don't like tight places yeah um lots of places to eat lots of air conditioning um tents and we'll bring in some ac units too yeah, yeah. cooling units we got that um one. Daniel and any partners has their own loft. Right. And I, I, I'd say, are you, you going to stay there? I'm thinking about it. You, you, you know, you always it have to tip really your nice. hat to other people that do good events. And, and going back to the one I mentioned la last week, the Shale Energy Resources event, they did a, uh, their uh, black gold event, the party at the Rolling Sevens. And oh, that's uh, I haven't right. told you guys this yet, but the, the photos, uh, really good, the layout that they did in terms of the oh, tables good. and all yeah. that. Yeah, it looked really oh, sharp. That's good. And so, uh, and, and I think Best they practices. And I think they, ha no, it is. You, 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 you steal good kidding. ideas and yeah. uh, and you acknowledge it. But they they did it. They looked really nice. So cool. They only had six hundred. No, but that's different. Is it? yeah, yeah. Uh, they see ours is gonna. So for the listeners, we're gonna use more of the parking lot out. That's where all the pits are gonna pits be. Pits will be. Yeah. Right. They had six hundred or so, as I understand it, maybe even more in the inside area because they had good good bands that were there and and they had all the tables set up. Uh, and so we'll. That that'll be kind of the difference. Is we'll have there will be plenty of parking. Just there will be plenty of parking. John's very on top of this. Yeah. So all of the pits will be outside the of, on that parking area. But anyway, we've talked enough about that. So okay. but we're looking forward to that. And then other things that we're doing. Uh, th this podcast will have already happened, but I've, I've done it. But we'll be in Denver, uh, hosting an event at the Rockies game on Thursday night. You guys are heading to Oklahoma this week for we're going to Oklahoma City the, mm -hmm. the Oilman's golf, golf outing. Uh, we'll be heading back up to Oklahoma City in July for our steak yep. and baseball outing. That's July 6th. Uh, heading back to Midland in July, just because we like to go every month. Um, try to squeeze in something in the Bakken before it gets too cold. So try to do that this summer. Uh, but yeah, we're going to have a lot of time out at kicking the tires. And, you know, we certainly would anytime, if anyone listens to this and hasn't met us, send us a note. We'd love to come by and introduce ourselves. And, uh, we do. Yeah. Perfect. One one last one for me is, uh, you know, went out into the field today. You went with me for a little while, John. We went out to, to next year to kick the tires um, there on uh, kind of some of their latest and greatest equipment yeah. that they're really trying to showcase. I thought it was fascinating. I mean, there's a couple. Of, I, I'll make a couple of comments. And number one, ESG was alive and well. I mean, every every customer that I talked to that was out there. Um, was you know kind of why why'd you come and it was like ah oh, you know it's kind of the ESG right. there's electric frack they're doing some really interesting things at at next year and and I really was impressed with the amount of people the number of people and the quality 
of the customers that were there. The quality of customers was just fascinating. And then they had some folks there from Caterpillar that were talking about some of their, they, they're making some of the equipment for them. Uh, I thought it was fascinating though, but um, the next year guys are definitely on the leading edge of technology right. uh, with some of their new stuff. And so I thought that was great. Um, last but not least, I think it's your birthday today. Oh yeah. And it's my birthday. Isn't it your birthday? Yeah. How are those cupcakes? They're pretty good. Pretty good. How old are you today, John? I'm 48. 48. Yeah. And happy so birthday to our partner, John Daniel. Are the interns still here? That, yeah. Can we have them come sing happy birthday? No. Uh, we're not, we're not, we're not going to do that. Just teal. Yeah. Just teal. Just teal. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm just kidding. All right. But I want to go back because in to, to just touch on one thing. Your you were birthday? at the, the next year facility today, and I know this is running long, but we'll edit it and we'll shorten it down for our listeners. Yeah, for our listeners. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was the there's a lot of equipment on display, and for a day that was exceedingly hot, hot. a lot of right, a lot of people were there. Yesterday, you know, we went out and looked at the uh, the new Allison transmission, the Frac Tran. They're taking that around the country on a sort of an, a, a road show. Really interesting. What they you know they've completely upgraded their transmission. Mm -hmm. You know, they've built it to last twenty thousand hours. Looks very cool. I mean, again, I'm a dumb finance guy, so anything looks cool to me. Um, and so, and and you know. That was over at the Enquest facility, and I think you know, seeing the the new technology as well as Super Chicken is open again, and oh, so yeah. Super Chicken was catered at the uh, at the Enquest facility. Really? So, got to see Joseph. When y'all say a lot of people were there, what what number is that? Is that like thirty or like five? You you, you were there longer than I was today. Yeah, so I was there for almost three hours uh, with one of our kind of new interns. I feel sorry for him. The, the guy is probably like, why did I come? Come to work with you guys. So, so we went out there. We were literally out there for almost three hours, and it was almost 100 degrees. So that's why I'm wearing a hat today. It was really hot. Had sunglasses on most of the time. Probably still got a little bit of a sunburn, but I don't know. Is there 100 people there? Throughout the day, yeah. Throughout the day? Just, just I mean, relative. I'm, I'm yeah, just I mean, it, it, I would say 80 to 100. Uh, I, don't, I don't know the exact number. But the great thing was is they had literally the U Tier 4 DGB, they had everything. a Tier yeah. 2, of E-Fleet, like, I mean, they kind of had That's all awesome. of their equipment, and then they had some of the new stuff that they're talking about where they're going to be blending C and G yeah. yep. uh, right. and field gas, and that's not just uh, for their equipment, but they can actually sell that and to other providers, frac providers, so I thought that was interesting. But, look, everything they're talking about is about ESG um, for just sure. E. What's that? The E. The yeah, e. well, the, yeah. yeah for, of course the E. Um, and then we did get a break. We went inside. They had their their uh, kind of data center, if you will, and I was thoroughly impressed with that. I mean, again, I, I, this industry's come a long way, obviously, and these guys are able to track basically all of their frack fleets, sand deliveries, all of the stuff to the wellhead, and it and you know they've they've got it all on one screen. And there's a couple of guys that are dedicated to just doing that. So it's like they're running the oil field from inside in Houston and yep. there's you know I gotta think there's fewer people at the well site than there was 10 years ago but it's yep. just fascinating to watch because I, I don't think every company's got that ability but it, I think some of the, we're gonna see a bifurcation in this yes. industry I think going forward and you know these guys are certainly uh, spending some time uh, putting technology out there right. cool so. okay Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Yeah, Absolutely. just from thank you if you're uh, joining yeah. us for the first time. And uh, it's a that's a wrap from the uh, Fletcher Azul podcast studio. Awesome.